This is David Poland, and this is the audio podcast version of DP30. Pardon me. This time of year, you kind of want to have little kids around. There's something, something sweet about it. Well, I've got an eight-year-old. Who, ah, uh, you and I apparently are the same age track. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Old enough to know better is the definition. Exactly. All my, all my high school friends are like, are you out of your mind? Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Doing? Today, screenwriter Stephen Knight of Spencer... It's the fine evenings, pitch dark outside and freezing uh, cold. Ah, uh, no, perfect London weather. Well, exactly. It's not foggy, but yes. It's good. Are you in LA? Yes. Where it is chilly but sunny. Ah, uh, well, yeah. So it's never, it's never dark. Isn't it? It's never too bad here. No. <laughs> it's not exactly uh, winter. It's not exactly London. No. Anyway, so um, you're doing well. All is well. All is good, very busy, lots going on, um, and long may it remain so. Did you, is, is, is this how you like it? Do you like to have seven balls in the air at the same time? I do, um, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not, um, I suppose it is a choice. It feels as if it's inevitable somehow that these things come and I, I really want to do it, and so I do it, yeah. Well, you created some of this for yourself, no doubt. Yeah, it's my own fault is what you said. <laughs> And so is life as a as more than a screenwriter something you love? Um, You're kind of a showrunner, no? No. Um, oh, okay. No, I, I, the thing I love is writing. And that's what I would do if I was being paid or not. I don't tell anyone. But yeah, I, I love okay. it. Um, and that's what I consider myself to be, is to be a writer. And then... Um, you know, you get involved in projects and certain things you are obliged to do, which is fine. But the thing that I love to do is, is to write. So how did you end up doing something? I mean, it's a very obscure subject, Diana. Nobody's really interested yeah, in that. Nobody's interested in that, are they? No. <laughs> how did what what was the what was the chicken and egg on this one? What was where did this start? Well, I mean, it wasn't something that um had preoccupied me before. Uh, but Pablo Loren came along, came to London and said he wanted to meet. So we went for breakfast and he said, what do you think about doing something about Diana? And that was the brief. Um, and I thought about it. And I, the, the thing I remembered was when she died and the, her funeral happened. And I was, abro- I was in Canada at the time and watched it on telly very early in the morning. And when the gates opened and the funeral cortege came out, there were lots of British people lining the street and they suddenly did thing, something that British people don't do, which is they started to wail and sob mm. and show real emotion. You know, when Churchill died, you can get that. Um, and I thought, what is this connection between this woman and the British people and people around the world? And I, I never understood it. So when this project came along, I thought maybe this is a, a way of exploring what that is. So was there a... Pablo brief in terms of something about Diana. Well, just something about Diana. So what, what got you to narrow it down to what you, I mean, obviously it's changed since you originally started, but yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do um, a biopic because it's so fraught with danger. And it's also, if, if you, if you're going to do someone's whole life, you, you're given so much stuff, which is the beginning, middle and end. And, you don't have a lot of freedom. Whereas I thought the way to do this would be to take a snapshot. Like, you know, she was, the paparazzi took so many photos of her. It's like, this is like a 
a photograph of someone. So it's, and I like the idea of the finding out who the human being is behind the icon in a short space of time. And then, you know, since it's her life was about family and the family she married into, mm. the most pressurized time for that, for those who celebrate Christmas, is Christmas. And we've all been in situations where, in lots of different festivals, where we are with members of the family we don't necessarily want to be with. So it's a relatable situation. And I thought Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, beginning, middle and end is a, a solid structure. And then if the structure is solid, you're then free to play with the form. Um, and so I decided, and then found out from, because... I decided not to read any books or watch any documentaries or anything, but to talk to people who were there at the time. Mm. There was a particular Christmas when she made the decision to get out. And so I thought, that's it. That's where we should go. And we should just concentrate entirely on that. So you did, so there was, there was not a, that was, it was more general than specific in terms of like, this is where she is. This is the moment. This is the people who are there. All those details were real. It, 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 it's it more of a poetic choice than a no, no. I mean, it, it's, a, it's 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 a real weekend when uh, the the people I spoke to were working at the house that house for that weekend. So it was picking a very particular time, a very particular three days, and then getting certain facts of, of what happened, but then having the freedom to imagine in between those moments, the stepping stones, imagine what was in her head. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's about seeing things from her point of view rather than her being observed. So was it written in this, in, it, the, uh, in the screenplay as you wrote it initially at least, did it fit the visual idea that Pablo had for it? The, the kind of- Yeah, I mean, this, of it? This, this is, almost unique um, experience with a Hollywood movie and Pablo says the same where the script was pretty much a first draft and the final film is the script as it was written in the order it was written with very little alteration Um, but that sort of uh, what I'm saying is that that's the structure of it but what Pablo did was to take that sort of um, conceived structure and then do some beautiful things with it and, and to make it such a poetic thing. So was the, the screen instruction, Diana drives to the countryside and then it became... No, an no, I'd, I'd love to be able to get away with that, but no. Um, when I write direction, I, I tend to write every... I mean, the, the screenplay is, is out there, I think. I, I tend to write every visual, every detail that can be expressed on the page possible. So were you surprised by what he was doing at all? Or did it feel like... Yeah, as I say, you know, you... The images come back to the same computer that you wrote the thing on in rushes. And they are just so amazing and so beautiful. And it's such a relief that they look so great, that it's been executed so wonderfully. That I mean, Kristen is just an amazing performance that... It, it's a combat, you know, the chemistry is that combination between what's written, what's 
the dialogue and how it is done. So it was a joy all the way through to see how it was being executed. Well, it does seem that as your career has progressed that you've become more interested in, uh, I, I don't want to use the G word, because <laughs> it's not, it's well, not the G word. Gimmick. <laughs> oh, gimmick. Oh, that's that you, a good word. But that you, 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 you're more interested in playing with structure than yeah. traditional screenwriting from the, that you started with. Yeah, I mean, I think that as you as you go along, you um, you're well, you're not obliged to do this, but I feel I oblige myself to try new things all the time. So to not settle for um, doing, you know, something works, so I'll do that again. Do something different all the time, but also I do feel that our industry, film, and to an extent television has more rules applied to it than any other art form, you know, and we all accept the rules, the, the three-act structure, uh, the character arc, you know, all of these things as if they've been written in tablets of stone when they haven't, when actually our job is to invite people into a room, turn off the lights and have them look at a screen for 90 minutes or two hours and hope that they like what they see. That's it. That's the only rule, really, but but we're given so many rules, whereas, you know, painters and, and composers are not really obliged to follow rules like that. And I, I think that we should, as writers, at least um, explore a bit more. So when you decide to do something like Locke, do you think of the idea first or the structure? I mean, is it is it a combination of both at the same time? Or I, I work in a very odd, uneconomical and hard on the fingers way which is to just start literally just start especially something like the lock the, the the idea i had was um first of all i wanted to see if you could make a drama out of the most ordinary human being the most ordinary man in britain who has done something that wouldn't even make the local paper mm -hmm. and put him on a journey that has no event in the journey and see if you can make a drama out of that so that was when I first sat down at the keyboard and started writing that was it and so I tend to start just writing a scene and then in a way read the scene back and see what's going on I know it sounds bonkers but that's how I try to do it so I don't have an outline or a plan when I begin so do you have you had ideas that are have not sold or not been made because they were of course too funky of course but it, because they were too like not what people expected as opposed to yeah i mean i think that when you if you work like this you have to accept that you know you're not following a formula or you're not um second guessing an audience so often it will fail because they won't come with you you know and right. why should they but I, I can't really do anything any other way. Um, and so you have to accept that sometimes you do something and you experiment and people don't like the things that people have not liked. I've read some of my favorite projects, but you know, that that's just the way it is. So how important to you is the director connecting to it? Because I mean, you've worked with some greats and it's absolutely. I've been so lucky that, pretty much every director I've worked with has been brilliant. And so, you know, I learned early on, actually Spencer being an exception and Locke being an exception, but 
it's not usually when you're writing you see it in your head you have an absolutely perfect picture of it in your head and when you see it on the screen and you first see the rushes it's nothing like that and you when you're first starting out you think oh my god this is this is horrendous but you realize it's not the same and it's, if it's a great director it's better it looks better than the thing that was in your head um so that's something you have to get used to so in this in a case like spencer did you write with pablo in mind in any way or is that just not on the table not really i i, I don't think a director would ever want a writer to um you know observe previous work and try to make it like that because i think direct good directors same as writers want to do something new they want to do something different and so i think the only way to do it, for me anyway the only way to do it is write what comes while i'm writing what comes naturally and just and write it and then um obviously you have to go through and you have to compose it a bit and put a structure into it a bit more but then that's that that's your best version of whatever this story is. And that's it. So was there a point in the Spencer screenplay where you were, were I mean, in the way you work, where you go, okay, now I'm into, I've now hooked into an idea or a, a concept and now it's working and now I just have to keep moving forward or? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you believe it to be working because you, you know, no one else has seen it yet. And so you have no idea. So you have to sort of, go with it, knowing that maybe you're wrong, it might not be working, but it, there, as you get more and more experience, there are sort of, I think, things that are telltale signs where this is going to be okay. Usually if it's coming quickly, if it's coming without hitches, if you're not having to stop all the time and keep going back, that means it's probably all right. And almost the, the faster it comes, the better it will probably be. Well, she's unusually alone in this piece. Is that something? I mean, I don't know if there's anything else in your career where you, I mean, I guess Locke, he's Locke, by himself yeah. the whole time, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it is unusual for a, for this kind of piece to, to find a character spending so much time alone on screen. But that, it is exactly what I like to do, which is to, if you limit the geographical space and you limit the time, and you limit the number of characters, you can really zone in on a particular character and then really comprehensively examine who that character is. And I think for all you know, uh, effects and, and explosions and, and uh, big screen activity in movies, I still think the audience are looking at the central character's eyes mostly mm. to see what's going on in any film doesn't make any difference that they want to know what the story is through the eyes of the of the central actor because that's where they are and you can blow up as many cards you want they're still going to be looking there what's well, funny because i've been having the conversation about the uh, spider-man movie that just came out it's so humongous but what works about it i think for audiences is how intimate it is yeah i'm it's sure really, i'm not you know, i've not seen it but yeah i'm a great actor so yeah that's when you have mean. a relationship with these characters already so you're kind of the audience yeah. is bringing something to it and the writing yeah. is bringing something to it and then the actors are each kind of having their moment in a way yeah and they're yeah. all really good actors over these years yeah though they've been kind of crummy, you know some bad movies but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you like those actors so much that it's you know compelling instantly yeah yeah i agree i, I think that's the 
And that's the thing about Spencer is that we've got an absolutely astonishing performance. Uh, Spencer is Pablo the Spider-Man of uh, independent film. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> Can we get some of their box office? Call Neon immediately. <laughs> <laughs> get some webs coming out of Kristen. Um, yes. <laughs> so was the Sally Hawkins character one that you had in mind that you were just waiting to figure out where she belonged or did she kind of show up? She kind of showed up. I mean, she's an amalgam of some real, the two real characters. Um, and I just wanted to uh, use that character to reflect the thing that I was talking about earlier about the emotional connection that people had that I could never explain is that I wanted someone out of the blue to just say, I love you. Because there was a kind of love for her that was not explicable. Um, you know, she wasn't a working class girl made good. She was from a very aristocratic family. And yet people felt that she was one of us mm. joining them. There's no reason for that, but that's how it felt. And there was, I think, you know, you'd see footage of Diana and often I think she looked as if she was about to burst out laughing in a very formal situation and very relatable. You think, well, I'd probably want to burst out laughing if I was in that situation. <laughs> so I think she did have a very strong connection. I wanted the, the, that character, Molly, to express that in a very specific and hopefully surprising way. Well, Molly in some ways becomes the, you know, like a, a doppelganger in a way, uh, not a doppelganger, but the kind of, she's the voice of emotion yeah. that Diana can't express. Exactly, exactly that. That's 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 dead right. Yeah, yeah. And that performance is to me that's a truly breathtaking performance as well. Is uh, incredible. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't believe um, the two of them together when they're together. It, it draws you in so comprehensively. It's brilliant. So does Pablo? I mean, it's interesting that you're a guy from Chile doing a movie that's so British. And the emotional tone of Chile versus Britain is quite different. Uh, yeah. Was that surprising, or did he just naturally understand it? Do you think? I think he's got a great capacity to understand um, people in isolation, or people who are isolated by their circumstance. Um, and I also think it's a good thing to have someone objective, someone from the outside to be looking in rather than someone who's, who's a part of that. So, you know, being British is a very particular thing. Being Chilean is a very particular thing. But to, to uh, observe from a different standpoint is one of the reasons the film is different. So where do you, what is your part, participation in a film like this? Are you around well, or are you, does he want you Normally around? I would have been around, but because of the pandemic, it was a closed oh. set. So, but I mean... In truth, the, the role of the writer on the set, unless you're there every day and standing by the monitor and passing comments, which very few directors, apart from Stephen Frears, actually want, um, then you just do your visit and, and you know you say hello to people and, and that's it really, because that's when the director's doing what they do. So it didn't really materially affect how the thing worked, but it just happened that it was shot when the crew had to be in a bubble, so there was no set book. So were they asking you for pages or for anything during the... No, it was shot. This is the thing, it was shot as written, in the order it was written, which is right. astonishing to me. I mean, Pablo says the same thing. 
it's it was as written on the page. Well, it's funny because Eastwood is one of the only other people who's kind of known for that, uh, who just shoots what it yeah, is. Is good. Yeah. Yeah, very few. Yeah. Of course, the screenwriters on some of his movies complain that he does that. <laughs> they oh, really? fix their work as they go. <laughs> like, You're going to shoot that? Really? Oh. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Yes. Peter, particularly, yeah. He was not so happy on one of the movies where he was like, the script apparently came out of his desk and he didn't really expect it to be made at all, much less yeah. and he shot it exactly shot it. what he shot. And he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is Hollywood, you don't do that. Yeah, it was very confusing. So yeah. what is it like to see the, the thing in front of you? I mean, at what point do you see what he's done to your script? It's, uh, it's a story. It's, it's, when it's a great director like this, the, you know the thing comes back and it's 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 uh, astonishing and it's emotional because the thing that you sort of had in mind is there, but also enhanced and better. So did you, you are in very. Room or did you see it with the people? Or I'll tell you when you know is when the rushes um, because of the nature of the of the pandemic. I was seeing rushes every day coming back. No, even with the rushes, you know, straight away, you know what's going on and, and how it is. And from the very first few rushes, when I saw Kristen doing what she was doing, I just thought, wow, this is going to be great. So, is there another movie there, or did, is it really did he shoot pretty much exactly what? I mean, forget about what you see in the screen. It sounds like it was precise, but is that pretty much all he shot as well? It seems like a movie where there would be a lot of a lot of takes, a lot of outtakes. Well, I mean, I, how many times a particular scene shot, I don't know, but I, I understand that it was a very efficient shoot in terms of number of takes. I don't think it was one where there were tears and tantrums and, and you know people people um, trying out new things. I think it, it was one of those things for me anyway. When I wrote the script, I thought, where did this come from? And I think maybe this. There's an element of that where all of us is that it came together so nicely that right. you feel a bit sort of blessed, you know, that this thing worked. Do you normally see dailies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of your things you see dailies? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it is, you were saying that there, there are a lot of people with a lot of different takes on how to treat their writers uh, and what they, they want <laughs> looking over their shoulder. Yeah, I mean... These days, especially in the last two years, everything's remote, and so usually you get access to to the, the day before or the day before that um, takes, and you get a very good impression quite early. So, do you want? I mean, obviously, this case it sounds like you were very happy along the way as well. Um, but do you want to pick your ten cents, your two cents in along the way a lot, or do you kind of? kind of want to let the other person run with what you've written there are occasions but i think you know out of respect stephen freer said get the best people and let them do what they do and i think that's the best way to do this is that you know if you've if you've got the right people doing that then you, what you did you wrote yours, you wrote the script and then other people have to do what they do um and um you hope that the finished product will be what you were expecting or 
sometimes it's what you're expecting and you think it's great and other people don't but that's fine that's the nature of the business you know this is um, you're, you're presenting people with things and they can have whatever thing you want. you get used to that sense yeah. that it's not yours anymore um I, I, it depends on the project but i mean in television you feel total ownership of the thing and i think in television directors don't get the credit they deserve because for some reason television it's the writer's thing the right this is, belongs to the writer i think on occasions in the movie business it's the other way around where it's the director's thing right. it's fine but i think that the, what everyone should realize in television and film that it's a collaboration it's both would you feel differently between the two do you want do you, yeah i mean is it television out at the end I, I, it, the writing process for me is the same um the making of uh is different in that i mean spencer is the exception but usually in television what you write is what gets made, which is why Spencer was similar to, to that sort of experience. Um, and you do have some more finished product. Right, but do you have a um, do you have a preference yourself? Depends on the, it depends on the project. I mean, if you're doing a family saga like Piggy Blinders, then you need 36 hours of screen time. If you're doing three days in the line, of a princess, you're better off doing it as a, as a movie. So I think it should be determined by the project, not by, I, I don't think there's a hierarchy in there. So did you know when you started Peaky that it was that long a saga? No. I mean, I, I thought if, if, if we get a second season, right, you know, um, because it was, it was a relatively obscure subject matter and not particularly fashionable city where it was set uh, set in the 20s so I didn't know whether it would work or not I just know I, I wanted to do it and then it's been a phenomenon it's always interesting when there, that second season happens it's almost like there's a deep breath that the you know the team has taken that they now can actually kind of just okay now we're gonna particularly when there's been success obviously the first season yeah. where you know there's like oh now we can make the thing we wanted to make <laughs> Yeah. To... Well, and I think the difference with television is you don't have to fill cinemas on the opening weekend. You know, right. what you do is you put it out there and people find it. And sometimes people are still finding peaky. You know, it, it takes a while for people to find it. And when they do find it, especially with peaky, word of mouth is the thing that makes it popular. Well, you're kind of on the cusp of this, of the change in how people see content. You know, going back to Dirty Pretty Things, I think that probably came out on VHS first. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it was in cinemas. It was in cinemas. It was in cinemas. I remember that. I saw it. I yeah. happened to love that movie. But, um, you know, when it came out, it wasn't There was no oh, so you mean, yeah, the technology was VHS. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then DVD. And then streaming. And then and mm. people are still discovering it. I think it's on Netflix now, actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's... One of the beauties of the existence of streamers now is that all of that stuff is out there and people can choose stuff and find it for themselves. Are you do you feel that as a as the author? Do you feel the waves Absolutely. of people discovering your work again? 
mean, it's, it's now like a novelist uh, has their book in the library. And people can walk into the library and just pick that book up and go, wow, you know, this is really good. I've never heard of this, but it's really good. And then they'll tell someone else and tell someone else. And then that book will have a new life. Whereas before, there wasn't really a library. There was a video shop, but there wasn't really a library with such open access to so many people. Yeah, well, there was somebody I was shooting a few years ago who had a TV series, a popular network television series. And she said she could feel this, you know, she got kind of wave of people talking to her on the street when the show was out and then there would, it would go on Netflix and there'd be like another wave yes. <laughs> completely different. Yeah. And she could tell it just started on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's great. Long may it last because it just gives, you know, gives people choice and ability to find stuff they like. When people can restart Peaky now, they don't have to like try to figure out what happened in the first two seasons. Exactly. Or they can go back and actually see it. Yeah. My wife just went through or whatever, five seasons of Dexter. She decided she wanted to watch the new series that they're promoting and she didn't want it. She's a completionist. So she wanted to see it from the beginning. So we spent three or four weeks with, you know, this guy <laughs> killing people in our house <laughs> endlessly. Fantastic. Just killing and killing and killing. Yeah. So you're, so what your the thing is done. So the movie's done. It's to your Spencer in this case, to your satisfaction. You feel like you've had this, kind of connection with Pablo where he's actually made what your voice was and what your vision was. Um, at that point, do you check out a little bit? Do you, does it, is it like having a kid or a grandkid or? It's a kid, not a grandkid, that's for sure. Always a kid. Um, yeah, you, you, you're not going to hand it over, but you can with a grandkid. Um, it's, it is a bit like that. I mean, you wait for the, um, you know, the critical response and pretend you don't care but you do care really and then if it's good they're great you know wonderful um and then you know you want it to you want it to endure and for people to like i mean spencer has been an amazing project in that there's so much like and love for it um that it's a pleasure to do things like this you know it's hard work when when it's equivocal when you're not sure um, but this has been great, and it's just, um, it, for me, it makes me think, well, you can take that risk, because it is a risk, especially with the subject matter. You can take that risk, and it will work. So you actually enjoy this part of it? She's got, when, when the response is good, yeah, you know, this is great. And you just think, well, if this makes more people watch it. And you also feel a responsibility to the other people who've made the film. You know, we can't just step back and go, well, you do. You promote the film. You know, that would be unfair. Well, often the people, even the actors, and sometimes not really the directors quite as much, but the actors will sometimes kind of disconnect after they've, you know, done it. And then a year later, they come back to do press, and there's kind of like, they have to kind of remember what they tell, tell the stories yeah. and all that, but it's really, it's part of the job in a way. But it seems like well, you this actually have a pleasure in having the conversation. Yeah, and this is, um, again, it's a new world in that we're doing this on Zoom and I didn't take a 6,000 mile flight to LA yeah. and got jet lag. And, you know, the, 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 the traditional way of doing press was that you physically went to LA and did stuff. Which is fine, you know, but I've reached a point where this is great. You know, we can do it like this, it's good. So you can do your work and enjoy discussing your movie that you love 
Yeah, I never have to meet another human being ever again. <laughs> well, I think the last time I saw you was in an office building at like seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night in somebody's office with like kind of jerry-rigged camera in the room. And uh, I think it was maybe for Locke. Um, that, would have, that was probably in LA. Yeah, in LA. But it was yeah, like, yeah. An, I was off business hours and it was like a weird, like you were going to go do a screening afterwards, I think. And it was kind of like shoved in. Yeah. <laughs> Locke, Locke was an interesting tour. I remember doing, in Dallas doing a breakfast show, news breakfast show. It was me and a lady with an emu. <laughs> Dude, what was she doing yeah, yeah. with an emu? <laughs> I can't remember. I can't. Do you remember. want to do lock two with the emu in the car with uh, emu's driving? <laughs> well, now they have commercials with an emu. I don't know if you get them in England, but oh no, we have insurance commercials that feature an emu. It's ah. for Liberty Mutual. That's the Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's the same emu. The Limu Emu, they call it. <laughs> Who knew? Somebody was up late with that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, congratulations. I'm happy that it's, it's. I mean, it's. it sounds like the ultimate direct, uh, the ultimate writer's experience yeah. to have the guy actually shoot Absolutely. what you feel you wrote and yeah. do it for an entire yeah. movie is pretty rare. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's great. Yeah. It, a meeting of the minds. Yes. And, and of course, all the other stuff you're doing is is also doing great. So you're kind of at the kind of near the apex. It seems like. Well, uh, I'm just good. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows <laughs> just keep riding away. Exactly. Just keep doing banging on. Is being a screenwriter what you expected when you started? Better, much better. Not everybody can say that. It's it's. Um, it's uh, luck as well. You know, you get lucky with certain projects and certainly lucky with certain directors who decide to do your stuff, especially Cronenberg, Frears. You know, how great is that to start off with those people? Yes. And movies they both love also. So yeah, that's unusual as well. Sometimes the directors have a little passive aggression towards their own work. <laughs> But I know that Cronenberg, that's one of his favorite movies he's ever done. Yeah. Um, and Stephen, you never know what he thinks. <laughs> Except you know everything he thinks, but you don't know what he thinks. Yeah. Anyway, good seeing you. Thanks for the time. Fantastic. And thanks for the movie. And, uh, and God, God bless Zoom. <laughs> okay, okay I'll see you, speak to you soon. See you, bye. Go to the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.